Welcome to episode four of Jaded, the podcast here at the world famous comedy store, the best comedy club in the entire world. We got our new chairs. I didn't think we'd have them until next episode, but they're so silky and beautiful. Mm, Wayfair. They don't work for me or I don't work for them, but I appreciate how quickly these chairs came. Nothing better. Because let me tell you, during COVID, I've been ordering stuff and it takes like five months for it to come. By the time it comes, I'm like, this was a dumb purchase. How many more tie-dye sweatpants sets do I need? <laughs> That's like the new thing this year. Everybody wears double sets. Cheryl, Cheryl's off just like making a ruckus. It's so cute. You know, like I, uh, I love my dog so much. She was a, an owner return dog because she bit a kid. But also like if you have kids and chihuahuas, like they don't always mix. Like, people go in so quickly to her face, and then she, like, bites, and then she's like, they're like, why did she bite? I'm like, well, because you're, like, a humongous person, and she's this tiny little dog, and get her face. You know what never ceases to amaze me? Especially during COVID, people going, like, can I pet him? Can I pet her? I've never asked to pet someone's dog unless it was, like, a very cute puppy, and and if you're taking a cute puppy out on the streets, you're going to get pet. That's a horrible way to say it. That's, like, the last episode, and I was like, she's asking for it. Anyways, the chairs are in and they feel fabulous. I have this fancy mic that I can't hold on to, but that's okay. I'll just lay back and relax. Positive energy. I'm, we- I'm wearing my Brody Stevens shirt. Enjoy it. I think everybody that started at the comedy store and got to be around Brody and the Ding Dong Show is a little bit of Brody, has a little bit of Brody inside of them. Like I'll catch myself on stage being like, I got to get positive. And um, if you don't know who Brody Stevens is, I recommend that right now you take a second and you look him up because, God, man, he's such a special man, such a special dude. And his funeral was one of the most earth-shattering moments of my life. I mean, losing him, I think, shook our entire community because he was just such an incredible energy to have around and everybody loved him. I'm talking about the, the rainbow of the entire industry. I mean, at his funeral, it was like every single comedy person I've ever seen in my life. And I will never, ever forget Zach Galifianakis crying. It was like one of the worst days. Oh, fuck. It was the worst. I hope you're watching, Brody, and I hope you like it. We've lost way too many people in the comedy community, and I hope that stops. I hope whatever demons you have inside of you, you can find a creative outlet like I'm trying to do, and you know, you feel better about yourself. But if you can't, shoot me a DM. I'll help you out. That made it sound like I was like going to do some kind of favor for you. I'm not, but maybe I can be a, a year for you. Because sometimes it's like we don't really want to tell our close friends that we're going through something. You know, we want to like tell strangers. Somehow that's easier. They'll judge us less. I'm drinking the Hey Hey thing for today. Today is sponsored by Hey Hey Green Energy Drink. Mmm. Oh, man. So on the last podcast, somebody asked me about Californication, so I thought I'd get into it a little bit. It's kind of a fun story. I don't know if you guys are big fans of the show, but I thought season one through three was excellent. <laughs> and then, you know, every show after three seasons, it's like, come on, what are we doing? What are the, are you, I, you forget people's names, but 
Californication, the infamous David Duchovny. It was such a great experience. It was my very first recurring, um, if you're not in the biz, recurring means your character comes back and to different episodes. And at the point, at that point, I had only done like a couple TV things. So it was very exciting. Felicia Faisano cast me in it. Shout out to Felicia. There are some casting directors who are so special who like really want to work with you and believe in you. And Dorian Frankel's another one. Oh my gosh, there's so many great people out here. Um, but she booked me and a few other comics. Alonzo Bowden was on the show. And we were basically like in this writer's room. We were basically featured extras. Like we would just kind of sit around and have one line, maybe two lines. And we all got really close to the show and became like a little family, you know. And for the last episode, which was like the finale of the entire season or the entire existence of Californication, um, the creator of the show was like, all you guys are going to have like a tiny scene with Duchovny. What do you think is going to happen? And I was just kind of being like flirtatious because – Look, David Duchovny is very attractive on TV. In real life, he's he's so attractive. Like his energy is just like like you know that he has he's working with something good. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of the characters derive from his real life about like, you know, being a sex addict and stuff like that. Believe me, I had a boyfriend at the time, so nothing happened. Not that if I didn't have a boyfriend, something would happen. Like I'm delusional, but he goes, so what do you think is going to happen with your character? And my character's name on the show was Jade, by the way. They used my real name. They used all the, the real comics names for the writer's room. And I was like, I don't know. I'll probably like make out with Duchovny. You know, just being like funny and cute. Funny and cute. Ew. I hate myself. I don't know why I said that. Don't cut it because I need to live through that. But I'll learn from that. I've learned from that. There's no mistakes, only lessons. Hmm. Um... So then, you know, I think I'm just being funny and I say that the strip comes in and the scene is like the most, like the craziest sex scene I've ever read on paper. Like he's eating me out from behind. Because as you know, on the show, like, you know, women are naked on the show all the time. It was like kind of similar to, what was that other show that everybody was like obsessed with at the time? It was like total casting couch show. Uh, No, no, no. It was Entourage. Entourage was the other show that was like really popular at the time and I had a lot of friends who did it and were topless and stuff. And not that they regretted it, but they were like, if I could have not, that would have been better. And I was brand new, you know, and I just, it was too early. So I was like, oh, this is great. This script looks great. And then I like ran to my dressing room and I called my manager. I was like, oh, I can't do this. Like, you know, I'm, I'm so scared. Like maybe I'll show half of a boob and like I'll show one butt cheek. And then, so we're going back and forth trying to like get it in this in the contract like how much of my body I'll like I'll show and how much is comfortable for me and how much I'm willing to do you know and at this point also we had filmed like maybe six episodes already and there was a couple naked girls on set and I was I saw what they had to go through and I was just like I don't know that's that might be like I'm not that comfortable in my own skin yet you know what I mean like also I want to save my titties for when they're worth something at the time they were like just sag scale so I need a little more of an up so it was too much trouble and they basically were like forget it we're just gonna have him reject you i don't know if you guys have seen this show before but he never rejects anyone like he hooks up with every waitress every teacher every care every female character on that show has fucked david's character so in the history of the entire show i am the first character to hit on david duchovny but then get turned down by David Duchovny. And it was extra special because, as I said, my name was Jade on the show. And so when he rejects me, he's like, Jade, no. And it's like a really physical scene where I'm like sitting next to him. And I like 
like I, I like jump on him, you know, I'm like, Hank. And he's like, Jade, no. He like basically shoves my face away. And the director was like, get a couple of kisses in while you can, you know. So I took advantage of the situation. <laughs> that sounds so gropy and gross. Then I got a, and then I got to kiss him. Um, but yeah, if you've ever seen that, that's the story behind it. And it was one of the best experiences ever. And when uh, I, I did like an abroad program um, in college, uh, Emerson College has a castle in Vell, which is a tiny town outside of the Netherlands. And we basically, you, you like live there, you live in a castle, there's peacocks and you're just traveling and seeing all the art you're studying about. It's a beautiful experience that I'm still paying for. Vote yes on student loan, student loan release, student loan relief. Um, and uh, when I lived at the castle, we came up with this game because every city we go to was really busy. We were probably drunk or on mushrooms, but we came up with this game that if you p pass someone and you touch them, it's five points. But if you pass someone and you can get a real sniff, 10 points. So I've played this game my whole life as kind of like a side jokey thing, which I don't recommend it right now. It's like the most anti-COVID game I've ever heard of. Don't get close to anyone right now. They could kill you. Um, but anyway, so on set, I taught everybody on set the game. Like I taught them the game, but David Duchovny like didn't really understand it. And so every time I would like turn around to get my makeup done, he would come behind me and sniff my hair. And I have like several photos of him doing it. So that that is like to answer one of the fans questions who asked last episode, that is definitely the best memory that I have from Californication. Is this better? Yeah. Um, Oh, it was such a great experience, man. I wish they would bring that show back and I could just have like a random character. Mm. I heard once that you're not supposed to whistle because you can get really bad wrinkles right here. That's fucked up. It's like whistling is supposed to be like the most joyous, adventurous, fun thing. Like when you feel good, you, you know, but when people whistle, it makes me so fucking mad. I don't know what it is. Like the sound of it just like. I hate joy. I guess I hate joy. <laughs> no, I don't hate joy. But when I found out that my boyfriend like didn't have the ability to whistle, I was like, you and me, baby. I knew we were supposed to be together. It's really hard. You can really tell about a, a lot about a person, like how they whistle. Because there's some outer whistlers, like, and then there's like, the ones that go in. It reminds me of that Tenacious D song. It's like, and I'm never fucking stopping. <laughs> Oh man, Tenacious D. My friend told me the best story about Tenacious D. He had just done like a festival show with them, you know, and they go out on stage and they're fucking dead of Tenacious D time, you motherfucker, right? You know? And they get off stage and they're having a little conversation and then they hug and then they like part ways. Like after all those years, after all those years, they're like still besties, dude. They're still like, I would love to find a partner like that who's like my singing partner for life. They're actually like not only so funny and such great writers, but they're both like incredible musicians. Fucking, they're the best. Jack Black, you still got it, babe. You still got it. Man, Californication makes me think of all like the all the fun stuff that happens on set. I love hearing like the behind the scenes of what happened. Like whenever you're recurring on a show, it's so exciting because it really does become like a little family. I miss that the most. I did um, a show called Future Man. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. I had a really small part in it, but it was recurring. And like the first day that we shot, it was like a group sex scene. It was like 
All right, so we're gonna go uh, straight to the orgy. Like we had never met one another. And there we are, literally half naked. I had like one of those little things that just covers your vagina. And we're like in a bag. It's just like this dirty set. And we're all like in bed together. Like someone's arm is like this. And I'm like sitting on someone's dick. And we're like, so um, where are you from? <laughs> it was like such a crazy experience. But we became like best friends. Like me and that people in that cast were all like besties. We're all on a chain. I went to one of their weddings. I think it's just because when you fight so hard to get these parts, it's it's such a it's such a lottery, you know. It's not just about being good and being business savvy. It's about being at the right time, at the right place. And there's so much that has to align in the universe for you to get that. That when you're together and you go through these experiences, you're fucking bonded for life. Like, man, you, you think about all the things that you've done and and. They all mean so much to me. I've never done a show and I was like, that sucked. Like, I always become very attached. Um, it still really hurts me even to talk about Manhattan Love Story because it, it just had so much promise. It was like the biggest thing I had done at the time. I don't know if you guys ever saw, but I was on a show called Manhattan Love Story. It was a rom-com on ABC made by Jeff Lowell, who's oh, he's the best. He has a new show, like a race show. Now, everybody watched Dana Dute, isn't it? It's really funny. And... It was just like such an experience to, you know, I had to move to New York within like a month. I had to get a place in New York and, you know, I was on this $17 million apartment set. It was just insane. Like just the, how big it was, the, like the, what, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like the, the grandioseness of it all, you know, just this, it was just so large beyond me. And at the time, it was like the first real big thing that I booked, you know, real money for the first time. I'm paying, I'm like paying off student loans, like I'm paying off my car, you know. I'm calling Sally Mae, like, yeah, motherfucker, I, I don't need to defer this month. Um, who does this for a phone? I, I've taken years of improv. This or this? This or this? <laughs> I gotta, I can't let go of my object work, you know. You really gotta keep, keep your muscle trained. No, 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 no. Um. So I got Manhattan Love Story. I moved to New York. It's fucking crazy. Um, and I wasn't ready for it. I was not ready. Like, I was upset about every little thing. Like, there was one episode where I, like, didn't like my hair or something or, like, didn't like an outfit or something. And I was freaking out. Like, I remember I called Jeff Lowell crying. I hate it. I'm so bad. I'm ugly. Like, just the stupidest. Like, think about this. Like, you made a show. You made a TV show. They trust in you. And you're calling them to tell them, like, that you're upset because you don't think you're good enough. Suck it up. I If I could do that show all over again, I would have. And I would have enjoyed myself more like I would have just been like wow what an incredible experience that I get to do this but instead I was like really stuck on every every detail Kevin Nealon says it best man don't sweat the small stuff do not sweat the small stuff my OCD says otherwise but it's that constant fight of like let it go let it go that's not the rhythm to that song. I just like made up a rhythm. You know, it's a really fun game if you take the rhythm of one song and then you have to sing it in the rhythm of another. Like, for example, let me give you this. Um, okay, how about this? Uh, Hit me, baby, one more time. One more time. And then like uh, ABC by the Jackson 5, right? So it's like, hit me, baby, one more time. It's really hard, Wow. <laughs> Try to do it at home and send me some samples. And then I can tell you, did I, like, 
coming up in this industry is so crazy because, you know, nowadays you can just like be online and shoot something and get millions and millions of views. But like when I came out here, I had, I had gone to school for this, you know, so I was very like the business of it is half of it. You know, I remember I took this class with Brad Lamack and his quote was there, wait, I want to say this right, but he says, there's no failures, just people who give up. And it's so true. It's like really throughout the years, you see people like, can I do this? No, I can't. And they kind of disappear. And the guys who are like really stick to it, the girls who really stick to it are the ones who like really make it because it's never going to be one thing, unfortunately. Like you're not going to book this one thing and overnight everything changes. Like I thought when I got this soup, oh my God, does my shit smell like roses now? It doesn't, you know, like it's just, it's all these stepping tones, stepping stones to like such a larger, more beautiful picture that you kind of can't see when you're in it, you know? I mean, look at Betty White. That's a body of work if I've ever seen one, you know? And I, I like, I wish I just could enjoy the process more. Like how lucky am I? I get to be here. I'm talking about my asshole, you know what I mean? To, to people who think it's great. I'm, I'm connecting to people. And I, I think like, if you can learn that lesson from me, that's great, but it's, you know, it really is such a fucking grind. I mean, I've done probably 10 years. I did probably 10 years worth of extra work. Um, and when people come out here and they don't pay their dues, that's something that really really kind of irks me when people like, because if you jump a step, eventually you're going to have to learn that step. I think that it's really important when you first come out here to learn as much as you can and meet as many people as possible. Obviously, none of this goes for COVID. Let's just none of that pretend, okay? But if you're new to LA and you want to come out here and you want to get into this business of acting and comedy, you go to a comedy show every fucking night. You, you do extra work. You're on set. You learn what every person does on set. You learn everybody on set. You learn what it's like to be an extra first because then you won't take it for granted. Honestly, I would do eight hours of audience work for $64 cash. And I would do it like every day, multiple sets. I met everyone. I mean, it's very rare. If I don't, if I don't, if I'm on set and I don't know anybody, that's a fucking random weird. You start to really, the world does become so, 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 so tiny when you get into the people who are like really after it and who really want to be like lifers, you know? I'm like, what the fuck else am I going to do? Only fans, I can only show my feet so much. By the way, I do have a five out of five rating on Wikifeet. Can we add applause here? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. How do I know? I Google my feet every day. You know what kind of bothers me too? When I go on Wikifeet, there's pictures of other people's feet and they're not as cute as my feet. And I'm like, what's up, foot? You're not supposed to be here. I wish I could just sell like weird sex fetish videos, but I have very distinct tattoos. And so people would be like, wait a minute. That's not, that's your foot, right? I wish I could just be a weird foot fetish person and have like a kid's TV show all at the same time. Because I feel like my energy matches a kid's show. I've been trying to pitch a show called Late Night Night. How good is that? Nobody steal that. Maybe I shouldn't have talked about that. But it's basically just like a late night show for kids. When I got into the industry, I did a show called Wedding Planners. You guys can look this up. It was with, um, 
what's his name? Oh my God, I'm forgetting his, uh, Vanessa Williams' brother, Chris Williams. Um, most beautiful eyes I've ever seen on a human. And he was so sweet. And I was like a bridesmaid. And because I had to be in like lingerie in one of the scenes, cause we were like getting ready. I got like three vouchers and it was like, I remember the feeling. It was like the most exciting thing I had ever done in my life. I mean, I dreamt about this since I was a kid and I was like, I made it. <laughs> There's been so many moments where I'm like, this is it. I made it. And then you're like, reality. Absolutely not. Keep working. It's, it's a lifelong thing. You're never going to get to where you want. Cause if you get to the peak of the mountain, like then you just got to go back down. What if you got to fly? Yes. What is this, a Red Bull commercial? It's not going to happen. But I remember I got my, I got my vouchers and it was just such a major day for me. And I'm calling around, you know, just, I got my vouchers. I got my, I'm on SAG, SAG, SAG. And then I realized that I couldn't afford it. And I had to pay the bill, like pay the SAG bill in order to even do that job that I haven't even gotten paid for. So my manager at the time, um, she helped me out. She let me borrow the money. Reagan, Reagan Frisbee, shout out to you wherever you are. You were one of the first people that ever believed in me. And I ended up letting you go to go with APA. And that's the part of the industry that I fucking hate. The business part where you separate with people who really first believed in you. And, and then, you know, it makes them feel like shit and made me feel like shit. So I don't know if you're ever listening to this, but that was a bummer. And I think about it all the time and how much you like believed in me and stuff. So, you know, try to be gentle with people you work with because you never know what something means to somebody else. Um, I know I've been brokenhearted many times, but I like to think back on these like early experiences because a lot of people don't know, you know, I mean, I've made a million pilots that have never seen the light of day. I mean, millions, not millions. I mean, who would, what am I, 80 years old? I've shot a million pilots. I caught a fish. It was like a million miles long. Fucking exaggerator. I swear, he had the biggest dick I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, man. I shot a show once. I shot a Fox pilot that I thought was going to be the one, too. It was a fully improvised pilot with um, – it was the guy who did all the Sasha Baron Cohen movies. So it was, like, half improvised. And, yeah, it was um, Ron – it was a Ron Howard pilot. So everyone thought, we did it. And it was such a cool thing because it was, like, a mixed pilot – it was mixed improv, mixed scripted. So we went to Florida and we would pretend like we were a news team. I was the makeup artist and Matt Jones was in it. It was a lot of really, really talented improvisers. And we would shoot all these crazy scenes that were like fully improvised. And the people that were involved in the scenes didn't know they were being like basically kind of pranked, you know? And we were making fun of these women, not making fun of these women, but pretending like we were interviewing these women who thought they were mermaids. So they would go out into this lake and swim underneath the water with their tails that they got made and they had like a mermaid language and we got like kind of close to these women and I have to admit towards the end of the pilot I felt really bad because I think they started to kind of catch on like is this a bullshit thing like are you guys actors and it was just like I've never been okay with pranking people like I wish I was cooler I wish I was just like whatever bleh. like Eric Andre just like here's my dick pussy you know like he he just doesn't he's just so free I'm jealous of that freedom you know, I did a show called Ladylike, and it was a show where we pranked people, and it was a lot of the guys from Impractical Jokers just in my ear, like, talk about your period, you know? Um, <laughs> it was a really weird experience for me, because, like, these people would be looking at me like, what's happening? Why are you doing this to me? And I'd be like, my period, you know? 
Like I just, you have to keep the joke alive, like the prank alive. Oh man, that was a, that was a crazy experience. Coming off of Manhattan, sorry, I went straight to that. One of my earliest shows that I got that I thought was going to be the one was Punked. I was on like the very last season of Punked with, when it was like Andrew Santino and Nick Christ. And man, I, I thought I was like fully in the cast, writing bits, blah, 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 blah. But I was basically like just the extra girl that they would call. And I remember one day they called and they were like, hey, we need you for a bit. It's like at two o'clock um, tomorrow. Can you make it? I'm like, oh my God, of course, you know. And then they're like, we need you to be fully naked. Um, I'm like, what? Like. And I think this was like near the Californication experience. And I was like, who wants to even see this? Just imagine an Asian boy naked. That's me. And so then I didn't do it. The other girl in the cast did it. It was just the whole thing was like a very weird experience. We like punked this one rap group and the guy like during filming, like grabbed me in the butt and like, but like did like a little reach around to my coach. And I was like, did we get this on camera? Like the whole thing was just such a crazy experience. And again, it's like, wow, you look back on these things and you're like, I just really like was so desperate to get it or to do it that like, you know, maybe I, I didn't go with my own morals and my own things that I like now can say no to. I have a really hard time saying no, like a very difficult time. I'm not just being funny with like sexual things. Like I never say no. I'm just fucking all day, every day. Um, but I do have a hard time saying no to people. I really do. I hate saying no and oftentimes I'm overwhelmed with like doing a million things because I just got to like respect myself and go like, no. Consent is a new thing in the world and for me. I've done so many different music videos. Gosh, I couldn't even tell you. I was in a, in a, long, a John Legend music video. I was in a Fergie music video. And during the whole shoot was supposed to be like a dance thing. We had rehearsed a dance. And then on the day of the shoot, we're all in black and white and the shoot was white and the whole thing was supposed to be animated like paper animation where like all the, like we're real people and then like we're paper. And uh, during the shoot, there was this girl there. She was like another extra. She had just flown in from like a small town, like had just gotten to LA, like bright eyed, bushy tailed, just like, mm, I'm an actress. And one of the fucking lights, like a 10 foot light fell and hit her on the fucking head on the fucking head and she's just like bleeding down her face you know because we have a lot of like blood vessels in her head FYI <laughs> and on her legs too um and she's just like covered in blood and so they take her away and I'm like that girl made it if a light hits me on set I'm suing like I'm sorry Fergie I'm taking you for everything but the girl's really naive and was like, yeah, they gave me a little money and I'm fine I'm fine and I was like oh my god my acting I would have been like non-responsive I would have literally I just probably not now that I'm thinking about it I'm like so like mm, it's okay I'm okay you know I did uh the spinoff of The Office which was called The Farm Matt Jones was in that too randomly and it was basically about the Dwight Beat Farm and I mean needless to say I'm obsessed with The Office fucking groundbreaking fourth wall breaking incredible incredible um, and I played one of the brother's wives and this one particular brother had gotten arrested for having like a weed farm. And so my whole scene was I'm coming out of the house, like, like, you know, kind of arrested and I run away and I'm running around a car and this cop comes and basically like, you know, arrest me. And I'm like, this is bullshit, you know? And the director who was the character, Toby, you know, everyone's like, shut up, Toby. Um, oh, his real name is escaping me. That's a bummer. 
I won't come to me. I'm too much of a stoner. But so he's directing it. So I'm like very starstruck, you know. And um, he, he goes, um, look, I'm not going to tell the guy this. But like, get the fuck away from him. Do not let him catch you. Like, but eventually he'll try and he'll like catch you. We need him to catch you, but like really try to get away. You know what I mean? Like, and the guy was like a stunt coordinator guy because it was like very physical, but I'm not, you know, I'm just like, just like this wiggly, like actress really excited to, to get some screen time. So I come out and I'm like, and I'm running around and I'm like, fuck you, motherfucker. You know, and it's like really funny. I can see that they're like really into it. I don't know where another guy comes and is like, and just pins me against the car. And I'm like, <gasps> like, I could feel that like it hurt me, but they were like, you okay? I'm like, I am great. Let's do it. Like, they're like, we need to get a couple more angles. I'm like, let's do it. I like, I keep having to reset going back inside this little like shocky house. And I'm like, okay, my stomach hurts. It's okay. Just like get through it. So we do like two more takes. I literally walk into my trailer already my entire front is bruised up like black and blue like I didn't break anything but I'm 100% sure I bruised both my ribs completely and then the show never went except they showed like a little bit of it right after the finale of The Office and my part was completely cut out of it completely cut out of it and they felt so bad obviously you know they can never predict what happens. You never know. But they sent me a hat in the mail that's like a beet farm hat. And they're like, you you deserve this. You worked hard for this. I still have the note. But it's like those experiences that we never get to share. You know, I wish there was like a resume for all the things that I've done that haven't gone um, that I could like tell people about. Because that's a really good one. I was once in a commercial for Bud Light Cruise. And when I booked the Jackson McQueen was in it with me. He's a good buddy. He's a comic too. He's got big eyes. And he's great energy. And I think he played a cop in it. But basically the whole premise was like we were getting on a Bud Light cruise. And it was like all different types of people. You know, there was like one girl had a really bad sunburn. And like a guy with a baby and like random. And they're like, okay, so we want you to be in a shark costume. And I don't know. I don't know if you guys know, but just like to book a commercial, again, it's such a lottery. You have to go to an audition. You have to go to a callback. Like during not COVID, you have to drive to Santa Monica midday at three o'clock. It's a, it's a grind, okay? It's, it might not be physical hard labor, but it's mental labor. And that can be really difficult for me at least. So I booked this commercial, Bud Light, fuck yeah. I get there. They're like, you're going to be in a shark costume. The only way that you get paid if you make a residual on a commercial is if you're recognizable for three seconds or more. <clears throat> so I get there and I basically am like going to be a featured extra now because they're not going to be able to see my face because I'm in a shark costume. <laughs> I was like, what's wrong with my fucking face? Anyway, they changed their minds. They're like, never mind. You're going to be in a bikini. And I'm like, oh, all right. Like, you know, like nobody wants to be in a bikini on camera. You know what I mean? Even if you're like gorgeous, it's just like uncomfortable and... So they're like, scratch that, scratch that. We're going to put you in a Bud Light box. What? Like, I had to wear a Bud Like, they they took a Bud Light box and make it made it like a corset. So I'm just in a box. Like, I have photos of it. I'll put it up on the, on the Insta. But, like, I'm just in this fucking Bud Light box. I can't sit the entire day because it's, like, an actual box. Guess who gets kind of out of that commercial, too? Me. Me. Bud Light box girl never makes it into the Bud Light commercial. Never sees a residual. It's such a bummer, dude. And I've been in, okay, it's, I can say hundreds, hundreds of commercials that haven't aired. I've done hundreds of commercials that haven't aired. 
And it's such a crazy thing because you just wait for it and you're like, but it is, it's so shitty when you're like in something and you don't know that you got cut and you watch it and then you're like, fuck. It's just a shit feeling because you're like, was I shitty? And it has nothing to do with you. Oftentimes, none of it has anything to do with you. But guess who feels like shit at the end of the day if you don't control your emotions? You. You. That's one of my tattoos, actually. I have Vosse tattooed right here in my mom's handwriting because... We can't control shit, as I figured out in the last episode, but I can control one thing, my emotions. <laughs> or can I? No, I can't. I can't. I'm trying to think of all the funny, like, old, old school stories of, like, sets and things I've been on. God, you know the worst ones that you do? Overnight musical, like, music video shoots. Like, anything that's music related or, like, playback related. Ooh, get ready for the night. But I've met some of my best friends during shoots. One of my earliest commercials I ever did was for Ashley Furniture. And it was on the Paramount lot. And it was so exciting to be like on the Paramount lot. When you're new to LA, I mean, even I've been here for years, I still become, I don't know, I like I just digress into this time of when I like loved movies and really wanted to be a part of them. And being on that set on set is just like magical, especially the lot, you know, when it's like a full city lot. And I remember this girl was like, we had like, I remember it was like three days all day long for like a thousand bucks. I was like, I'm rich. And they were like overnight shoots. And one girl one night was like, oh, I'm going to take a book and get high. And I was like, I'm sorry, literature and marijuana? We're going to be friends. And so, and we've been friends now for like 14, 15 years. So we met on that set. I think I got cut out of that commercial too. Fuck. My very, very first national commercial I ever did was for a weight loss supplement called Who Do You Sure? And the commercial literally goes, who do you know who could lose some weight? Maybe even you. How insensitive is that? I'm, I'm fat shaming people now on TV? Like, that's how you sell your product? You can't find the commercial online, but I will have it up on the Insta as well. And it is hilarious. Like, I look really crazy. There's like a close-up shot and I have like way too much makeup. It looks like an SNL sketch. I'm like, you know? And they flew me to Toronto. It was like the most exciting thing ever. When you get flown anywhere for work, you feel so fucking fancy. I just spit all over myself. Fancy. You feel so fucking fancy. I get to Toronto. I get to the shoot. And I come into this room. There's all these other girls there. And they're like all like in bikinis. And, like, and they're like, hey, are you an after? And I'm like, what's that? And they're like, we're afters. Like, we actually took Hootie Assure for the last month and been, like, working out with this trainer. We're like the afters. Like, you know, there's, like, a before and after in weight loss supplement commercials. What? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm, like, I'm one of the hosts. And then there was, like, another host who showed up who was, like, the white version of me. I was, like, the ethnic version, the white version. And the producer was like, yeah, let's go to dinner tonight. So me and the other host go to dinner. And the other girls are like, sorry, we have to work out. Like, what a shitty deal that is. And they were like, it really works, you know? So they, just so crazy. I had never seen one of those, you know, in, in, in like real life. And that commercial did air, much to my dismay, because it was like a buyout and I didn't make any residuals and I just looked crazy in it. Hi, who do you know who could lose some weight? Maybe even you. <laughs> that one will haunt me for life. And there's so much stuff that I've done that I probably don't even know about. Like I did, <laughs> when you're really new to LA and you're doing all the extra work and stuff, you'll take whatever money you make, you know what I mean? 
And there was an opportunity to do like a shoot for Getty Images. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's like, it's basically a library of every photo taken of every event. And they also have like stock photography within, within it. Like happy girl, sad girl, you know, girl at the office, girl leaving work. Like it's all this, you do these full day long shoots where you're like in an office setting and then there's like a birthday or, you know, it's like all these like random little settings that people can buy. So... I'm on this shoe and this guy goes, oh my God, I just saw your Hootie, or I just saw your Hooters commercial. And I go, what Hooters commercial? He's like, you're like this girl in the Hooters commercial. I'm like, dude, I think I would remember if I was in a fucking Hooters commercial. I think I would remember, you know? And he was like, yeah, it's definitely you. So look it up. And I go home that night and I find it and it's, he was fucking right. It was like stock footage of me going like, yeah, yeah, you know? And it's like, Karen's happy she's going to Hooters tonight. And it's literally me going like, yeah, yeah. So you never know. You never, there could be, I'm like a dude that just fucks a bunch of women. I don't know if there's kids out there of mine. There could be. There could be. There's so much crazy stuff like that. I think I've told this story on a podcast a long time ago, but I booked this industrial Pizza Hut commercial. Um, where the whole concept was we would, it was a new crust, like they were advertising a new crust for Pizza Hut. And they wanted me to deliver these three pizzas to these families that won this lottery. And inside the crust was a thousand dollars baked in to the pizza, right? So I had to like, you know, I would go door to door delivering these pizzas. The shoot was supposed to be like late in the day. And so the night before, like I got into a little bit of partying super last minute they call me they're like we're so sorry jade like we need you at 5 a.m tomorrow i think it's like 9 p.m and i like was really fucked up like i think i took adderall that night like to party which i do not recommend do not i don't even honestly i'm hyper from like just the tea again it's not for me any hyped up speedy things as an adult don't match me at all don't match my personality but so at the t- I think they called me. It was like middle of the night or I hadn't seen an email. Anyway, I was extremely hungover. I slept in my car that night because I didn't have time to drive home because it was like shooting far away. I'm going to post this commercial as well for you guys as a little treat if you sign on to my Patreon, okay? How about that? That's a little, little incentive to join my Patreon, okay, daddy? I am so what it seems like coked out in this commercial. I'm literally like, hey guys, Jade here. I keep going like this with my hands. I'm like, he, I'm here to deliver pizza to people. They don't even know there's money inside. It was, it, it's insane. And some people know and they watch, they see the commercial and they're like, Jade, how much cocaine did you do before that take? And I'm like, I swear to God, it was residue from the night before. But yeah, you can't take that back. And it, there was even one part of the family when I'm speaking Spanish to this family, cause they're like, they're, they're Spanish. And then they're not, they're like Filipino. So the whole time they're like not understanding me. I'm like, gracias. And they're like, okay, you know, it was just a very crazy experience. And fuck, dude, you never know, you know, that's the funny thing. Like you never know who you're going to meet or what it leads to. But I have millions of these stories, you know, just things you book and man, I've, I've so much stuff. I've been stand everything that you can think of on a set, scripty. Hair, costume, uh, production, anything, I've done it. And I think it's really important to like kind of know it all, you know, and you can f- really figure out where you fit. And, you know, I've also learned the wrong way, the hard way that, um, that I'm mic'd at all times on set and that 
you have to be careful with what you say because people are really sensey, you know, as they should be. You never want anybody talking shit about you behind your back. That's why I could never be on a reality show. I'd be fucked. Um, but I was on a shoot for a, a film that I did with a friend and she was the director. And I like said something about her girlfriend. I forget what I said exactly. I was just being a bitch and she heard the whole thing. She heard the whole fucking thing. Oh my God, it's the worst. It's the worst. It's, it's never fun when you get busted being a dick, is it? You're like, did I do that? <laughs> That's why that catchphrase is so perfect. It's like, sometimes we say shit in the moment and then we regret it. That's why it's so difficult to have this cancel culture. It's like, you want us to be in the moment and say whatever we think, but don't say too much because it might hurt someone. And I never want to hurt anyone because I feel hurt all the time. I hear things all the time and I'm like, ouchie. Like I can barely even make comments. I don't really read comments anymore. Because I'll see, like, why is her nose big? Or, like, why is her wrist small? Like, any, even if it's a compliment, I'm like, but what does he mean by that? I overread. I read between the lines. This is a random fucked up thing. When I moved from Brazil, I learned how to do, I, you grow up doing cursive in any other country. And then you come to America and they're like, nope, you got to do print. Print. You got to digress your style of writing so we can understand what you're talking about. It's like, it took me forever to understand how to like write, you know, my curse, my, my writing's still a kind of like a mixture of cursive and little weird memory. Like in school, there was this board every morning, there was a little magnet that you had to put your name on the board. Right. And everybody would always put their name on one side. And I always wanted to be like unique and different. So I would put it on the other side. And then I would always have like shitty lunches and I didn't understand that people were like putting their name on the side of whatever lunch they wanted. So it was like every day I was just like stuck with like fish sticks or whatever like the latter, the shittier choice was for lunch meals. Man, I do not miss having to eat lunch at school. Remember school lunches? I do love that pizza that's like gross like camp pizza that tastes like plastic. My boyfriend loves pizza. I love dating a younger guy. I feel like Kate Beckinsale. You know what I mean? I'm just like making <laughs> making Tostitos midday. Like, mm, there's a lot more where that came from. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'll tell you guys this. Oh man, this one is such an embarrassing one. I got cast in the pilot of John Mulaney's show, which did not go well ultimately, unfortunately, because I think he's so fucking funny. And the cast was star-studded. It was like every, literally every per second thing of like in comedy that I looked up to at the time. And I was so intimidated. And if you've never been to a table read, it's very intimidating. And they can still fire you from a table read, by the way. Like you can still have, you can have the job and go through all the, you know, the things that you have to do to get the job. And they can still, if you don't do well in the table read and it doesn't mesh, they fire you. So there we are. It's like, like Martin Short. It's like, it, it's crazy. It's like people that I've looked to up to my whole life and also people that I've gone to college with who's like on the writing staff and I had friends on the cast as well and everybody's doing their line and getting claps and laughter and I do my part and it just falls fucking flat. Like not a lot. Like people are kind of laughing and like you can tell when you did a bad job always on a table because people are like, good job, good job, good job. Like they give you like this unnecessary validation that they think you need. Right away, I knew. I called my manager. I was like, dude, it did not go well. He was like, run upstairs and sign your paperwork. Do it before they fire you, you know? 
and the part was ultimately cut, but they were like going to like stud cast it, stunt cast it, I mean, which just means like they were going to, you know, put a, a, like a name person on it. That's called stunt casting to like, you know, give the project a little more earth. Um, but John actually wrote me an email and, and, and said, thank you. And all this stuff, which like made it so much better. Cause you feel so much shame when you get fired. You're like, it's me, you know, and it's, it's rarely about you. It's usually about a network and money and making money. It's really so that people can have sex, sex, money, money. We're at sex. Well, that's what's at the top. It's not about like, oh, she wasn't funny enough or she wasn't pretty enough, she, you know, whatever. But that was like a crazy experience. The whole thing, like, oh, it was so embarrassing. I'll never forget it. But I also learned like, you know, don't fucking suck at a table read. How about it? I did a show a long, long time ago called Camera Cafe. It was actually my first pilot that I ever shot. Again, another one that never saw the light of day. And it was um, basically the entire show was shot from uh, like a vending machine camera. So it was like just conversations that we had in front of a vending machine. <laughs> so, so crazy. And um, one of the women on the show, is the, this lady named Jill Benjamin, who's incredible, really, really good improviser. Um, at the rap party, she's like, hey, guys, is it cool if my boyfriend comes? And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, we're just at the rap party, and John Henson walks in. I don't know if you guys know who John Henson is. He's incredible. He's one of the hosts of The Soup, and he's just super funny stand-up comedian as well. He walks in, and I'm like, oh, my God, fucking John Henson is here. He's so hot, you know? And she's like, that's my boyfriend. They're now married with beautiful children, so <laughs> it's not a problem, but, you know, once again, ah, like, I'm just constantly trying to get my fucking foot out of my mouth. So maybe this podcast isn't the best idea, but it feels good right now. So that's what I'm going to go with. What feels good in the moment. <laughs> I don't want to think about any repercussions about the past or the future. I'm just kidding. If I felt that way, I would have already had a tongue ring because I think they're just shocking how crazy they look to me. I'm like, oh. Man, I was never allowed to get piercings as a kid because I remember we went to Disneyland and our server like had once had a nose ring and it was just like a huge hole. And my dad was like, looked at me very seriously. He's like, promised me, you'll never, you can get tattoos all over your body, but never pierce your skin. And I was like, okay. And then cut to like, appears my nipple like seven years later or something like that, which is, uh. What a journey, guys. We've I've told you about all my experiences on set. You know, if you get bored, go and look it up. One of my best credits on As Self is uh, Women in Death Row. I figured out that um, I could make really easy money doing these, like, reenactments for these murder shows. <laughs> but they were shot, like, really shittily from, like, people's homes in the valley. Like, just one street away from Van Nuys where they shot all the porns, you know? And it was like, yeah, we just do these reenactments. So I feel like you could really find some stuff. My very first job I ever had, not in Los Angeles, was in Boston. I hosted a show called Secret Lives. Three people tell you a story and one of them is lying. Who's it going to be? Find out tonight on Secret Lives. I hope somebody can find something from there. I've been looking for years and years and years. I really want the footage. Anybody from XYTV, which is a public network station in Massachusetts, please send it to me. And it was interesting because they had a host already that they loved for many, many years. And then she got fired and I got brought in. And nobody liked me because obviously I'm the new host. Sound familiar? <laughs> well, our history really repeats itself. 
But that's where I learned everything. That's where I learned how to use a teleprompter. That's where I learned how to use an earpiece. And so I feel like when I came into LA, I had all these little skills that, you know, people don't have. But fuck it, you don't need all that shit. That's just the way I did it. I just did extra work to get to where I am. But you don't need to. Um, But yeah, those are some stories. I actually, it's really nice hearing them out loud because it's like, wow, I have really done it to get here. You know, and I, I hope I continue to get to do it. Honestly, we're so lucky. Um, Serena's coach said this. Pressure is a privilege. It really is. Getting to have that pressure on you and entertaining people, it's a huge fucking privilege. I do not take it for granted whatsoever. But it can be a real big pain in the ass and a real big pain to my ego. It hurts my ego, you know? If I could just let go of my ego, but who am I kidding? Me and my ego are going to have each other forever. We've got each other. That's from Damn Yankees, my first musical I ever did in high school. <laughs> I'll have footage from that too if you are if you pay more on Patreon. Now I'm just becoming like a weird Patreon slut. I'm like, I'll send you some furniture for my house if you sign on for my Patreon. But hey, it's been a good one. My stomach is rumbling. I'm fucking starving. I'm going to go get something to eat. It's been really nice hanging out with you guys. I'll do a little Q&A after, so stick around. Don't forget to subscribe, like all the videos, share, send to your friends, send to your mom, and, you know, send questions if you have them. I'll try to do them on the show. And, yeah, let's just, like, let's keep it going. Let's keep it friendly. Let's keep it together. You've been jaded. Ciao. Jaded. Mano, vamos ficar jadeada. Ah, vamos lá.